This is Everyday Light, a perfectly imperfect reading of the One Year Daily Bible. I'm Molly, a fellow pilgrim on the road to the kingdom, and it is a joy to have you traveling this journey with me, with the Word of God as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. This is the one-year Bible reading for October 16th, and we are in the book of Jeremiah, the start of chapter 28 this morning. And I haven't said much about this book of Jeremiah as we've been reading it, but every day that we're reading, I'm thinking about the courage that God gave Jeremiah to deliver this message in the face of false prophets who are giving a very different outlook on the state of Judah and um, also I was struck yesterday by Uriah, who was predicting the same terrible disaster against Jerusalem. And instead of standing firm, um, it seems to me that he gave in to fear of man and fled to Egypt and was subsequently killed. Whereas Jeremiah put his fate into the hands of the Lord and was ultimately defended by um, the Jewish elders and not killed. So starting in chapter 28 this morning. One day in late summer of that same year, the fourth year of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, Hananiah, son of Azar, a prophet from Gibeon, addressed me, Jeremiah, publicly in the temple while all the priests and people listened. He said, The Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says, I will remove the yoke of the king of Babylon from your necks. Within two years, I will bring back all the temple treasures that King Nebuchadnezzar carried off to Babylon, and I will bring back Jehoiachin, son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and the other captives that were taken to Babylon. I will surely break the yoke that the king of Babylon has put on your necks. I, the Lord, have spoken. Jeremiah responded to Hananiah as they stood in front of all the priests and the people at the temple. He said, Amen. May all your prophecies come true. I hope the Lord does everything you say. I hope he does bring back from Babylon the treasures of this temple and all of our loved ones. But listen now to the solemn words I speak to you in the presence of all these people. The ancient prophets who preceded you and me spoke against many nations, always warning of war, famine, and disease. So a prophet who predicts peace must carry the burden of proof. Only when his predictions come true can it be known that he really is from the Lord. Then Hananiah the prophet took the yoke off Jeremiah's neck and broke it. And Hananiah said again to the crowd that had gathered, The Lord has promised that within two years he will break the yoke of oppression from all the nations now subject to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. At that, Jeremiah left the temple area. Soon afterward, the Lord gave this message to Jeremiah. Go and tell Hananiah, this is what the Lord says. You have broken a wooden yoke, but you have replaced it with a yoke of iron. The Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, I have put the yoke of iron on the necks of all these nations, forcing them into slavery under King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. I have put everything, even the wild animals, under his control. Then Jeremiah the prophet said to Hananiah, listen, Hananiah. The Lord has not sent you, but the people believe your lies. Therefore, the Lord says you must die. Your life will end this very year because you have rebelled against the Lord. Two months later, Hananiah died. Jeremiah wrote a letter from Jerusalem to the elders, priests, prophets, and all the people who had been exiled to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. 
This was after King Jehoiachin, the queen mother, the court officials, the leaders of Judah, and all the craftsmen had been deported from Jerusalem. He sent the letter with Elasa, son of Shaphan, and Gemariah, son of Hilkiah, when they went to Babylon as King Zedekiah's ambassadors to Nebuchadnezzar. This is what Jeremiah's letter said. The Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, sends this message to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food you produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them and have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away, and work for peace and prosperity of Babylon. Pray to the Lord for that city where you are held captive, for if Babylon has peace, so will you. The Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, do not let the prophets and mediums who are there in Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams because they prophesy lies in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. The truth is that you will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me in earnest, you will find me when you seek me. I will be found by says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and bring you home again to your own land. May you claim that the Lord has raised up prophets for you in, or you may claim that the Lord has raised up prophets for you in Babylon. But this is what the Lord says about the king who sits on David's throne and all those still living there in Jerusalem, your relatives who were not exiled to Babylon. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will send war, famine, and disease on them and make them like rotting figs, too bad to eat. Yes, I will pursue them with war, famine, and disease, and I will scatter them around the world. In every nation where I send them, I will make them an object of damnation, horror, contempt, and mockery. For they refuse to listen to me, though I have spoken to them repeatedly through my prophets. And you who are in exile have not listened either, says the Lord. Therefore, listen to this message from the Lord, all you captives there in Babylon. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says about your prophets, Ahab, son of Kolaiah, and Zedekiah, son of Maseiah, who are telling you lies in my name. I will turn them over to Nebuchadnezzar for a public execution. Their terrible fate will become proverbial so that whenever the Judean exiles want to curse someone, they will say, may the Lord make you like Zedekiah and Ahab, whom the king of Babylon burned alive. For these men have done terrible things among my people. They have committed adultery with their neighbor's wives and have lied in my name. I am a witness to this, says the Lord. The Lord sent this message to Shemaiah, the Nehalamite in Babylon. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. You wrote a letter on your own authority to Zephaniah, son of Maseiah, the priest, and you sent copies to the other priests and people in Jerusalem. You said to Zephaniah, the Lord has appointed you to replace Jehoiada as priest in charge of the house of the Lord. You are responsible to put anyone who claims to be a prophet in the stocks and neck irons. 
So why have you done nothing to stop Jeremiah from Anathoth, who pretends to be a prophet among you? Jeremiah sent a letter here to Babylon predicting that our captivity will be a long one. He said we should build homes and plan to stay for many years. He said we should plant fruit trees because we will be here to eat the fruit for many years to come. But when Zephaniah the priest received Shemaiah's letter, he took it to Jeremiah and read it to him. Then the Lord gave this message to Jeremiah. Send an open letter to all the exiles in Babylon. Tell them what the Lord says concerning Shemaiah the Nehelamite. Since he has prophesied to you when I did not send him and has tricked you into believing his lies, I will punish him and his family. None of his descendants will see the good things I will do for my people, for he has taught you to rebel against me. I, the Lord, have spoken. We're starting in the New Testament today in the book of First Timothy. Now, Timothy and Paul spent a great deal of time at the church in Ephesus. And uh, Paul has left Timothy. When they returned to visit there, they found that there was a great deal of false teaching. And Paul leaves Timothy in charge of this church. This is what the, um, the information is about 1 Timothy. Paul, the aged and experienced apostle, writes to young Pastor Timothy, who is facing a heavy burden of responsibility in the church at Ephesus. The task is challenging. False doctrine must be erased, public worship safeguarded, and mature leadership developed. In addition to the conduct of the church, Paul talks pointedly about the conduct of the minister. Timothy must be on his guard lest his youthfulness become a liability rather than an asset to the gospel. He must be careful to avoid false teachers and greedy motives, pursuing instead righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness as befits the man of God. 1 Timothy chapter 1. This letter is from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, appointed by the command of God our Savior and by Christ Jesus our hope. It is written to Timothy, my true child in the faith. May God our Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. When I left for Macedonia, I urged you to stay there in Ephesus and stop those who are teaching wrong doctrine. Don't let people waste time in endless speculation over myths and spiritual pedigrees. For these things only cause arguments. They don't help people to live a life of faith in God. The purpose of my instruction is that all the Christians there would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a sincere faith. But some teachers have missed this whole point. They have turned away from these things and spend their time arguing and talking foolishness. They want to be known as teachers of the law of Moses, but they don't know what they are talking about, even though they seem so confident. We know these laws are good when they are used as God intended, but they were not made for people who do what is right. They are for people who are disobedient and rebellious, who are ungodly and sinful, who consider nothing sacred and defile what is holy, who murder their father or mother or other people. These laws are for people who are sexually immoral, for homosexuals and slave traders, for liars and oath breakers, and for those who do anything else that contradicts the right teaching that comes from the glorious good news and trust our blessed God. How thankful am I to Christ Jesus our Lord for considering me trustworthy and appointing me to serve him. 
even though I used to scoff at the name of Christ. I hunted down his people, harming them in every way I could. But God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how kind and gracious the Lord was. He filled me completely with the faith and love of Jesus Christ. This is a true saying and everyone should believe it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I was the worst of them all. But that is why God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Glory and honor to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier. May they give you the confidence to fight well in the Lord's battles. Cling tightly to your faith in Christ and always keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately and as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Uh, him, Emmaus and Alexander are two examples of this. I turned them over to Satan so they would not learn, so that they would learn not to blaspheme God. Psalm 86, a Psalm of David. Bend down, O Lord, and hear my prayer. Answer me, for I need your help. Protect me, for I am devoted to you. Save me, for I serve you and trust you. You are my God. Be merciful, O Lord, for I am calling on you constantly. Give me happiness, O Lord, for my life depends on you. O Lord, you are so good, so ready to forgive, so full of unfailing love for all who ask your aid. Listen closely to my prayer, O Lord. Hear my urgent cry. I will call to you whenever trouble strikes, and you will answer me. Nowhere among the pagan gods is there a god like you, O Lord. There are no other miracles like yours. All the nations, and you made each one, will come and bow before you, Lord. They will praise your great and holy name, for you are great and perform great miracles. You alone are God. Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. Grant me purity of heart that I may honor you. With all my heart, I will praise you, O Lord, my God. I will give glory to your name forever, for your love for me is very great. You have rescued me from the depths of death. O God, insolent people rise up against me. Violent people are trying to kill me, and you mean nothing to them. But you, O Lord, are a merciful and gracious God, slow to get angry, full of unfailing love and truth. Look down and have mercy on me. Give strength to your servant. Yes, save me, for I am your servant. Send me a sign of your favor. Then those who hate me will be put to shame. For you, O Lord, help and comfort me. Proverbs twenty-five seventeen. Don't visit your neighbors too often or you will wear out your welcome. To end today, I'm excited to share with you because I just got it in the mail yesterday. I got the one year praying through the Bible and every day it has a devotion and prayer based on what we have just been reading. And so this time it is based on these very familiar words from Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, 
to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me in earnest, you will find me when you seek me. What an encouraging word for Ben to the Israelites who had just learned they would be exiled to Babylon for 70 years. When chaos and confusion were rampant, when their lives had been turned upside down, this word of hope came to guide them through their years of captivity. When our lives don't make sense or our futures look hopeless, the profound truth in these verses gives us a new perspective. God says, I know the plans I have for you. He's not hoping he can conjure something up, nor is he wringing his hands and wondering what went wrong. His eternal plans for you and for me were established before the foundation of the world, and nothing can derail them. What is the condition for God's plans being fulfilled in our lives? This passage tells us to seek him earnestly, not half-heartedly, not occasionally, but with all of our hearts. Through earnest prayer, we can expect to see his good plans for our future and our hope. In the process, we can also expect to find God. Lord, thank you that you have planned a future and a hope for my life. Because your power and your faithfulness, I know that nothing in my life is outside of your control. Help me to fully and willingly submit to your will for my future. Draw me to look for you earnestly and to pray wholeheartedly. May my hope be grounded in your unchanging character. And we end with a quote from Oswald Chambers. Have you been asking God what he is going to do? He will never tell you. God does not tell you what he is going to do. He reveals to you who he is. Love you all. Have a beautiful day.